This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Question time on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. A lot of questions have come through, Hutchie, relating to Nick McKenzie's two-part 60 Minutes uh, expose on uh, all things wrong with uh, certain people in certain situations in Australia. Uh, I'll go to Josh Shrive on Facebook. The winks of journalism, as we've dubbed him, Nick McKenzie, is certainly on a roll and obviously an industry leader. Did you too? have any specific idols or people you respected while you were coming through the ranks? It's before I answer that, uh, Josh. The yeah, the decision to use him two Sundays in a row, obviously, is not ideal in a preparation this time around in the spring. So, like, you've got to use the horse sparingly. <laughs> I think the decision to do a two-parter was smart because it took the pressure off his legs in the second week. <laughs> he just cut the best of the content and just made it stretch over two weeks rather than one. So it's one story over two weeks for those who are wondering. But it's like the Caulfield Cup into the Cox yeah. Plate. He'll, <laughs> he'll go out to the paddock now for a spell and no, he won't. have a good... He'll be backing up no, the Melbourne Cup, aren't you? He'll use that time to... He'll go to the Perth Carnival. his next target. And I thought the decision, by the way, to put him on the Today Show on Sunday, Breakfast with the Stars, was a terrific way to uh, showcase the horse in the lead up to the... Uh, <laughs> The weekend. Uh, back to the question: Who who was your idol, Hutchie? Did you have one? I, I don't think I. Well, no. I was probably influenced by the TV journalists of the era. Yeah. You know, Eddie and Quarters more recently. In the day, you know, the the Rob Asprey's of the world and Scotty yeah. Palmer. So anyone who'd been on television who'd broken stories were my yeah probably influences early. Yeah, I'd um I'd Scotty Palmer, um Mike Sheehan too for for the before he we went to the AFL even and and um. Also to Jeff Polder, Hutchie was a, was someone I used to love reading I'd, I'd agree as a with school that. kid, uh, and he'd uh, he'd always have the great Friday afternoon in yep. the Herald preview for the weekend's matches, and then you get to know Jeff and Amen. you realise he's Amen. a Jeff Polder, complete Polner. lunatic. Amen. And I say that I say that in a in a loving way, Jeff. You know, I also loved uh, the bylines of Peter Simonovich turning to Bolfo. Yep, the beast, uh, uh, Linda Pierce. Yep, and Mike Horan. Uh, yeah, not so Actually, much. Actually, you didn't get on with Michael Horan, did you? Yeah, yeah. In the early days, I did. Yeah, but he was more of a sub than a reporter. No, he wasn't. He's he a was. Australian cricket writer, Archie, during the World Cup when they first won it. He was. Uh, he was one of mine too. Uh, Dale Blythman on Facebook. Do you think there is scope for the main stations like Seven, Nine, and Fox to provide some of their products in podcast format as well as the visual offerings? Footy class as you call it, Archie, would easily translate to a podcastable content and reach to a broader audience without too much editing. Thoughts? Now, this guy, Dale Blythman, is, I think, a man of your own I like, I like it, Dale. The only thing I'd say to that is so many people snack on that content on on video on a Tuesday morning through Twitter and other platforms that perhaps it doesn't quite carry as much residual podcast weight. Fair enough. There's so much. I'll tell you what I would do. It'd make you more accountable for things you said along the way. Like, (laughs) quick story. Caro said to me the other day, she was catching up on some old sounding boards. She goes, I just heard the the episode where you defended New South Wales' handling of the, (laughs) of the, um, of the COVID, you know, situation. Do we both defend it or just you? No, I, I I remember, I came in here. You actually highlighted the page five article. Biggest, (laughs) biggest own goal in six years on the the (laughs) sample. I came in here and said, what about in Sydney? You wouldn't. This is how mature they are. The way they handle it. Didn't made page seven of the paper. No one cared. Play on. No, no. They just backed their contract traces in. How good's that? And you know, eight hundred cases a day later, 
It's proven that that was the absolute wrong strategy for the new variant. Delta might have worked on the old Maybe, variant, maybe they the shouldn't have ignored it at that time. But you highlighted it. The next week, I said, that's not going to age well in, re- in retrospective episodes. So I said to Caro, make sure you listen to the next episode <laughs> where I go on to say, that wasn't my finest hour. <laughs> I think I told you before, I've got a mate who, who listens back to them from about, from about a year ago and deliberately waits like he, he's a year behind. It's a weird way of listening to us, and I'd hate to know. Some you mentioned stuff how many errors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, James Walland on email. I'd like you to take us behind the curtain of sports media shows. Do the ex-player experts prepare their own content for these shows, or are the topics provided by a producer and the experts just comment on it? Is a it goes a bit deeper, but it's it's a good comment, a good question because I each, each and every single expert is different, aren't they, Hutchie? We we. Many been managed to you more than me have worked with a lot of them. Some some only would uh, present their own thoughts. I would think some, some would rely on a combination of their own thoughts lined up with other people in the show and producers, obviously, and and some would just are better off because they're such good uh, presenters, just going with what's put to them. It's a combination of everything. I like the ones the, though who put their time in. The on-air people always influence the content, and they always invited the production meeting, and they always express a view of they're uncomfortable or comfortable. So. Yeah, I would say that the uh, ex-player experts often produce their own content or influence it. Yeah, there's rarely I can I can't recall any times where someone's taken a view in that in that expert's chair just because it's a potential idea from someone else. That they've they've had yeah. to own the idea or the opinion. Kane Corns and Matthew Lloyd are two of the better self-generators of content that I've seen in, in my time. Yep. And and previously when Gary was. Host of the uh, Footy Classified, yeah. it was unbelievable generator of content. Those meetings were, uh, were were better than the shows half the time, weren't they? Oh, Off, often they are. Often fruity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Hachi, I've noticed the trend of hearing presenters on Triple M's Saturday. I didn't read this one before I read and it. Sunday pregame shows eat while on air. Wayne Carey, Jared writes, as you've read out, it's particularly bad for it. Would it annoy you if you heard this unprofessional behaviour on SEN? If you had to eat while on air, surely it's not that hard to mute the microphone or eat during an ad break. It's a fair point, Jared. Makes I haven't noticed. Jared, anyone. I hadn't, I have not uh, heard that happen on Triple M. So you know, either, either have I. Until Damo read the question out, I didn't, wasn't even aware of it. So I have to take Damo's better view no, on I, that. He's I, clearly put it on the agenda. I and actually, I think it was there was a couple of highlightings last week of some of the spicy, nazi goreng. I think. Um, Maybe getting stuck in throats. We're not defenceless, Jared. I've heard it happen a couple of times on SEN track in particular, and <laughs> I must admit, I don't love it at all. But it does probably lend itself a little bit to the product at times. When I weirdly, when I was fortunate enough, Hutchy, to first put a set of uh, uh, headphones on in, in a semi-permanent way with the ABC all those years ago. The f- the very first rule was do not eat. Yep. Ever. I think, Jared, uh, if it gives you any comfort, uh, Damo jumped over four other questions to ask that, so it must be an issue with him. I didn't even see it until then. I felt sore triple and thought, God, am I going to come up here? Uh, Chris Diastoli on Twitter. With the Herald Sun now providing updates the night prior regarding COVID numbers the following day, do you see this as a change of strategy from state government or a sign all is not well in cabinet and leaks are increasing? The strategic leak, Hachi. The strategic leak. I told good, you there was a thawing of the. I, I read this like a golden book. The. The Andrews Herald Sun coming you're, together. You reckon they're, they're oh, pals again? I think there's been a definite thawing. Why? Well, I think Dan came back and broke bread. I think he broke bread with everyone or attempted to. Yep. I know of other organisations he certainly attempted to, and I, I think he might have had some success. I, I, think, he, I think he's broken good bread. How, how, how can he be so 
well liked at the moment, Hutchie. Just you get a reset when you have a a break, and that's what he's done. Yeah. This was the one I wonder. Team Vanders via Twitter. What was the biggest story in wrestling this week? The return of CM Punk, the man, or Brock Lesnar? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> CM Punk was very emotional. It had been seven years. I couldn't wait. You couldn't watch Rampage in Australia as a consumer. You had to wait for your Twitter feed. It wasn't on pay-per-view here, which was frustrating. I thought he nailed it. He spoke from the heart. I thought Nick Khan did a great job. Tony Khan, sorry, um, of the cell. I watched the press conference afterwards. That's how committed I was to it. And on Brock, well, that made sense as a story arc. I thought the way he presented himself was great, and the man was tremendous as well. I'll go with CM Punk, though, as the answer, Vanders. Yeah, it's all a foreign language to me. Clint Whelan on Twitter. Earlier this year, Peter Dutton moved to sue a Twitter user for defamation. If successful, what are the future implications of this, and what is the upside of including any personal information in your account over being anonymous and unaccountable for your actions? Well, a couple of layers to that. I Look, I don't know the specifics of what Peter Dutton is doing there, Hutchie, but I think everyone's got to be responsible for whatever it is they say or do. And, and yes, there should be ramifications for stuff that defames um, anyone, Not even taking Peter Dutton out of this equation, um, lining up whether you give your real identity or use an anonymous one, well... Please, I'd, I'd love a, a world where everyone has to give proper personal identification details to uh, to have a right to enter the public debate, but that won't ever happen because the organisations themselves and the platforms don't want that to be the case. But no, I've, I've got no, I don't know the specifics, and I'm sure some people think that Dutton should probably get over it. But if it's of a nature that he feels has has duly wronged him, well, I'm sorry, people need to be responsible for what they say, don't they? Is that am I being too harsh on that? Yeah, I saw the recipient complain that he's being sued. And well, bad luck, whoever you are, you know. But I think, you know, the, at some point the the empire's going to strike back on this. You know? Well, well the, I don't, again, I don't want to talk specifically about Dutton and whoever's being being sued for defamation. But the sooner people realise that there are ramifications for what you say, I agree, the better. Yeah, I agree. The, the better. That. So, I, I, if he wants to go him or her, go him or her as hard as he feels he needs to. Uh, player interviews. This is from Ben Elliott on email. He knows this has been spoken about before, but player interviews. Why do radio stations and shows persist with them? I listen to a hell of a lot of radio, Sydney and Melbourne. When I hear a player interview coming up, I immediately change the channel, or if I'm listening on a podcast, I fast forward. They suck the life out of a show. It goes on a bit. Um, there's a valid point there somewhere. I think, Ben, it's interesting. Like Often... The cliched answers on game day and weekends of assistant coaches and similar can be pretty hard to listen to. Often players are well rehearsed, but it comes down to the skill of the interviewer and the ability to go into areas that are non-traditional and you know, give some insight into the person. Potentially, a white, Generally speaking, the areas that are avoidable are what they do for a living. So if you're an AFL player and you speak about AFL, you're not going to get much. Hmm. But if you can go into other areas, you can. And I do think the rise of the opinion sort of feeds into this a little bit, that people are perhaps more interested in unvetted opinions than vetted opinions. Yep, I think you're right. But again, the, the, the good talent in inverted commas, being the player I'm, I'm referring to here, Ben, is is still compelling. I think we've had right. on Footy Classified this year maybe I don't two guests. Yet. Have you one had guest? even two? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why doesn't the media put Luke Beveridge under more scrutiny? LBD on Twitter's asked Hachi. Well, you'll have a view on that as the resident sort of Bevo rounds oh, here. I've been pumping him up this year, but but he's lost three in a row and he's probably under as much pressure as anyone going into the first week of finals, isn't he? 
Yeah, he and Chris Scott carry the most pressure. Actually, Chris Scott too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, Mark Keenan wants to know who hosts AFL Daily. It rotates between me, Nat Edwards, Mitch Cleary and Rolly Beveridge. It's been me and Nat for um, since the inception, whenever that was, back in April or May or March, whenever it was. Um, in recent weeks, you'll find the voices of Rolly Beveridge and Mitch Cleary also being part of it, and that will be... Um, how, how often does AFL Daily come out? <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, actually. <laughs> Uh, one more. You want to choose it yourself, Archie, before I uh, randomly pick one? Let's maybe go with uh, let's maybe go with Shane Jones. What papers do the Sunday Footy Show presenters have on their desk, and do they do you guys really use it for content on the show, or is it for aesthetics? Um, Shane, I would think it's exclusively the Sunday Herald Sun. I know there's always one between me and Bill, and it's I, I like having it open on the ladder page just because there's a reference to a ladder if you need it, and if you somehow. Have a moment where you've got nothing to say. Actually, you can look at the ladder and <laughs> I don't use it for for content, no. But I do have it, and or near me anyway. Um, I share one with Bill, I think. And I used uh, to use it a bit when I was on the Sunday Footy Show. It was always handy when you had a guest in and you wanted to reference something from the stats or similar. The stats, yeah, yep. the stats are often a good one. All right, that was question time on the sounding board for drink wise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo for DrinkWise. Make sure you find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sounding Board EP. Hit the sign up button on Facebook to receive our weekly email and subscribe to, rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.